Hello and welcome to an episode of Father and Joe. I'm Father or Carson, your father Bon of Six, and I'm Joe Rocky. You can tell it's been a while since we started one of these up. And Father, one of the things that I have been doing is I have been on other people's podcasts trying to promote ours and discuss our podcast, which again, we try to bring people closer to God by recognizing that if you live a virtuous life, you will become closer to God by living more like Jesus. And then in turn, the more each individual becomes closer to God and living a more virtuous life, the better the society will end up being. So said another way, if you were living with a neighbor who was fair and just, that's a lot better than living next to someone who is chaotic and cruel. And Essentially, what we're trying to look at here is ways to make people better. And we've discussed this a lot of different ways throughout the years. And there's a whole lot of different people who have come and decided to binge various of our episodes. We're glad everyone who is doing that. And um, so for everyone who's been with us for the five years, this might have been a little bit of a recap. But what I wanted to do today was kind of discuss some little things that we could implement into our lives that would not just make us better in the sense of a, okay, I did something successful today, so I should feel good for it. But actually realizing that some of these things that we do that not only improve our lives from a practical standpoint, but they also improve our soul side of our lives because we are living the commandments and we are being virtuous in what we are called to do, um, essentially as Christians. So what I wanted to do was go through just kind of some common themes, uh, common things rather, that are easily implemented that maybe people don't realize actually is helping my soul too at the same time by doing something that is good for me. I mean, you can, most people can see the simple fact of if I do something that's good for me, well, it's good for me and I like it. But if it's good for me and it's also working those virtuous muscles, even if I don't realize it, kind of realizing it makes people a little bit better. So one of the ones that I have been kind of pushing here, I believe is to the virtue of temperance. And this is the notion that over the next 14 days, only eat 12 times. And most people can see real quick, well, that's like a diet. I'm going to lose some life so or lose some weight. So that's going to help me physically. I'll look better in beach season. It is the summer after all. Um, so yeah, I, I can get on board for that from the, the physical side of it. But where I'm calling it is, is that what temperance really is, is controlling ourselves. Um, growing up, that's what they called maturity, uh, having self-discipline and pushing things off to the future. And when you go through fasting, and you're the person who taught me to fast, so it kind of feels weird telling you my experiences of this, but when you go through only eating 12 meals in 14 days, not only do you get that physical pain that reminds you that you're doing something hard, but at the end of the day, pain is just your body telling you something is different. So I don't take that as a bad thing. I take that as actually as a good thing. I'm doing something different. It's pulling me in a direction I'm, I'm trying to get to. So you get that physical pain that, hey, you haven't eaten in a while. But you also start to develop, especially for me, after the first couple of days, an appreciation and a thought of what am I going to eat? What am I putting into me? And for me, it creates a conscious, deliberate thought process. 
that goes into more than just, okay, now I'm not going to randomly eat the chips that are laying around the house, but it brings about a focus. And it also brings about a realization that I can't really do this by myself. You know, a deliberate thought of if I'm going to make this work, I'm going to need to eat this meal and your body will kind of tell you what it is. Um, and that's going to be different for each person. But for me, at least I get in this thought process of everyone that they needs to go to make this thing happen, whether it's I'm going out to eat it and someone had to make it or it had to be, you know, caught, harvested, whatever the, the appropriate term for what you're eating is all the way to it getting to the supermarket and then it getting on my plate. So I, it brings up these thoughts of, I'm really not all that important. And I don't know how I get there from fasting, but I, I, I do. And it's this mental process of thinking deliberately that, that has really come out of there. So I wanted to start by discussing that because I really do think fasting is incredibly beneficial. And I really do think that of the seven virtues that we discussed in our episodes, prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, faith, hope, and love, I think that the one that society is missing the most overall is temperance. Um, and then that's just my personal opinion. And I know as a priest, you, you're, you might have a different one, but that's been my thought process that that's what we need. And I think that this is a great way of stepping into making yourself a more temperate person and exercising those muscles. Cause once you realize, Hey, I can go without eating for a while. I can also go without getting burst of anger for a while. I can put that off, even if it's just 30 seconds longer at first, then it might become a minute. But pushing off that burst of anger that comes on you in a bad moment can keep a relationship from going to the next level of worse. And it might ever give time for it to fix whatever grievance came upon you. So that's where I wanted to start by just kind of discussing the, the concept of fasting here and some of the other general ideas that I've had for other people to implement a more virtuous life without necessarily saying that this is going to make your soul better. Well, I think the basic point that, uh, that you make, Joe, that we, if we want to grow, then we need to die to ourselves. And uh, we have to do that in concrete ways, not in the abstract. I think that's really important. I'm not sure that I align with all of the vocabulary exactly. So temperance is the uh, ordering of the concupiscible appetites, more or less. Fortitude is the ordering of the irascible appetites, uh, which would have mm. to do with anger and controlling bursts of anger. But um, but the point of you know the, the broader, rather than dividing those into whatever Aristotelian or Thomistic categories, uh, just the the general point of delaying gratification. It's a one way to define maturity is the capacity to delay gratification. It's a, a nice way to, to think about that. Um, I suppose uh, in that sense to uh, anger, anger has a dimension of the concupiscible appetites and the uh, vindication, the good that's being sought. And uh, well, then it would, it would come into resting. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. The, uh, the point being, you know, having a little bit of self-control and self-mastery is essential. Um, the, the most important virtue is charity, and that's what orders all of the other virtues. So, and that's that's ultimately what holiness is, and that's what the perfection of human life is, and 
that kind of goes back into your initial summary that um, living charity, uh, understood in the Christian way, charity which is perfectly demonstrated for us in the crucifixion, total self-emptying for the sake of the other, uh, out of out of a passionate love, we could say, um, that, that love is not just a, a willed activity, although sometimes that's the best we can do, but love is ultimately a fully human activity, mind, body, soul, and strength, as Jesus calls us to love God and our neighbor as ourself, implying also, or, or Jesus says, love one another as I love you. So mind, body, soul, and strength. So how do we do that? How do we how do we live uh, charity in the fullest way? Well, we, we have to have some redirection of our uh, of our passions uh, of those those various appetites and the the gradual formation of the appetites. And I, you know, I like to remind everybody of things that we've said that the uh, the the emotions or the appetites, the passions. I'm using all of those interchangeably uh, for the sake of ease of understanding, but uh, those are, those need to be ordered and directed, not destroyed uh, or simply indulged. So we don't want to, uh, if we can imagine those passions as being a a little like a a wild pony when we are young, we don't want to beat it into submission or we'll end up carrying it around on our back the rest of our life. Uh, But rather we want to train and guide and form and and so, thank God we're hungry. So, you know, when we talk about fasting, of course, you're a you know robust, healthy uh, man who has the capacity to let go of some meals, and it's going to be fine for you. Um, we have listeners, I'm sure, who may suffer from eating disorders, and that that ties into a whole other realm of things. People who don't want to eat to begin with because they'd rather disappear uh, and and suffer that kind of anorexia or uh, you know, want to just get rid of their, expunge their food. And there's a, there's a certain kind of uh, numbing that happens. And anyway, a variety of reasons, it's very complicated, but, but the point being that, uh, insofar as we're hungry, thank God. Uh, so that's really good. It's really good to be hungry. And then, uh, what do we do about that? Well, do we just blindly indulge it, uh, even overindulge it? Thank God we enjoy the taste of food and we want to eat do we just blindly indulge that or do we do it a little more intentionally, like you said, that we're more focused and more intentional about the way that we eat? If we could govern the way that we eat, a lot of other things go with that. And so it's really worthwhile paying attention to that. And I would say both fasting and feasting. So it's not just a matter of not eating uh, when there's a time for that, but also eating when there's a time for that. And that's how we, we steadily guide those wild ponies and turn them into mature stallions. And then our, our hunger, uh, which is a physical hunger for food, but is not unrelated to a deeper hunger for God uh, or a hunger for love or a hunger for transcendence or a hunger for meaning or a hunger for a lot of things. We use the word hunger and it's meaningful. There is a, a relationship there. So if we can help to shape our hunger rather than just suppressing it, or rather than just indulging it, but we place it, we, we, we steadily form it lovingly under the guidance of reason. And that's a reason that's enlightened by faith. Uh, so ordered to the cross, not just ordered to the, the goods of this world, but really ordered to charity, ordered to love, love for my neighbor and love for God. You know, then that really forms me in a, in a, 
an important way so that I can live my life for the Lord and out of love and that my eating or my fasting can really be done like St. Paul says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And I do that when I'm uh, fully alive and I'm, I'm acting in accord with, with right reason and uh, for the sake of God. So, so, you know, all of that needs to be boiled down into concrete practices. And I, I probably don't talk about concrete practices quite enough because there really is such a variety of capacities. Like I said, if, if you're somebody with uh, anorexia, uh, then you may need to eat as a discipline. And, and that's a way of, uh, you know, perhaps lifting the, uh, the irascible appetite that might be sort of pressing down on the concupiscible appetite. And, and uh, you may need to mortify your, uh, your strength, your, your zeal. Uh, somebody else who might overindulge may need more to mortify their uh, their their indulgence, their their uh, enjoyment of food, or or uh, indulging in food. I guess is better, you know. So that's going to be get a bit personal. So I, I I hate you know just presuming that the variety of our listeners is such that we have people on both ends of the spectrum. I I hate to prescribe things as if it is the only way, but rather to witness, you know and. And, and that's the, the fundamental thing that I pull out of your uh, observation, Joe, is that we want to do these things intentionally. Uh, so uh, mindfully, uh, thoughtfully, uh, meaningfully, uh, rather than just following our stomachs. You know, their, their belly is their God, uh, St. Paul says, and uh, condemning the, the Corinthians, if I remember right. And uh, we don't want our belly to be our God. Uh, uh, on the other hand, we don't want our fasting to be our God either. We don't want to worship any of these other kinds of practices. But that's why we do it with a little bit of personal direction. You know, something like spiritual direction is helpful, or uh, at least somebody who's a little bit, um, you know, knowledgeable in the spiritual life who can look at my life and say, "Yeah, I think this would be good for us." We are, you know, for an average man like your like yourself, Joe, who's healthy and. Uh, s- strong and, and able to uh, eat or not eat, and uh, then can stretch those muscles a little in both directions and eat 12 meals in 14 days. That's a great challenge. And, you know, for a healthy person, that's a, a perfectly reasonable thing to do. A healthy person pro- can probably go for, you know, uh, uh, eat no meals in a week and uh, uh, even eat no meals for two weeks. But uh, certainly, uh, twelve meals in fourteen days is is reasonable, and then we would just want to pay attention to what's happening in our bodies. But uh, I think the, the direction that you also mentioned in terms of um, offering that and and being intentional about it—that it's really for God, that it's not just dieting, that we're not just aiming for a slim figure—but the the motivation is important, and that that applies to a lot of things that we do. So beyond just temperance, I think, you know, being generous in different ways and uh, whether it's our, you know, putting money in the basket at church or finding other ways for almsgiving, being generous with, with income is important. I, I'm enough in the nonprofit world. I don't do a lot of uh, uh, fundraising yet. It's probably coming. But anyway, I know from people who are really involved in that, that the really generous large donors who have kept a lot of things going in the church for a couple of decades now, they're dying out and younger people are not generous in the same way. And, and that's a problem. 
you know? So there are going to be some things that just go away that people don't realize uh, are really dependent on some generous donors who are, have been behind the scenes. And I think that that generosity is an important virtue to develop that kind, that kind of charity, obviously that's tied in, but then the motivation has to be clarified there too, that it's not just giving to get my name on a plaque or get my name on a building or get my name on a product, but but that I'm really giving for the sake of the kingdom and the, for the people that it'll serve and and that I consider my own wealth to be something that God entrusted to my stewardship rather than something that I deserve because I worked hard for it and I can do whatever I want with it. It's it's not unrelated to that kind of gluttony, like I'm hungry and I feel like it, so I'm just going to do it. There's a lot of spending that's like that and the mm-hmm. capacity to save and to give is is tied into some of the same things about fasting and feasting and feeding others for that matter. You know, food uh, has a way of spilling out in all those directions. So um, some concrete things, you know, uh, fast and eat 12 meals in 14 days and give all of the extra money to charity. And then you can do two things at the same time. Uh, if you're, again, a healthy person and and can handle that then uh, that's, a, that's a great way to do it. Combine it with some prayer as well. And the time that you save by not eating, uh, say at least a short prayer. Pray a, pray a midday prayer, pray a rosary, or pray a divine mercy chaplet. And, and that way we can really coordinate all of that together in a nice way that, uh, that helps us to develop in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And as you said that, I, I never even thought about this correlating the money. You know, I one of the things that gets me on a lot of other people's podcasts is talking about money. And as one of the things that, that plagues us as a American society, kind of as a global society too, um, is that as we have come up with newer generations, the ability to save has fallen through the floor. And I don't know if it's correlated to the same effect of people leaving the church in, in subsequent gener- generations from their parents. But an underlying requirement to be able to give is you have to have something to be able to give. You can't give away knowledge if you're not, if you don't have the knowledge, you can't give away money if you don't have it saved. And I think that fundamentally, most people don't have an idea of how spending on the future, which is what a credit card is, you're buying things with money you haven't made yet, um, is really damaging. And I think that that mindset kind of permeates from all of this. It's all from a lack of pushing things away that you would like to have now for what is better for the long run. And I think that that is one of the things that Certainly, I use fasting as as kind of the prism to show that, but does eating all these chips today help you in the long run? It might feel good today, but it doesn't help you in the long run. So going to everything that you just said there, does buying this whatever item help me in the long run? And I get that we live in a society that cash is disappearing. And that most of our older generations talk about grandparents, people, um, the baby boomers, um, depending upon where how old you are. So most of them grew up in a cash life. So you weren't able to spend money that you don't have. 
But now most of us spend by clicking buttons on either a phone or a computer. And especially through COVID, that's most of the stuff that entered my life came through that way. And a simple way to help people in that measure is do not connect it to a credit card. Connect it to something that goes directly to um, a real sense of income. PayPal can do that, for instance. So paying with PayPal still has all of the governmental protections of fraud, but you're not tied to a credit card. So therefore, you can't spend more what you have. Because the one thing that has killed this ability for people to grow isn't college debt, despite that's what Congress is trying to tell you. It's day-to-day credit card expenditures. And that is something that, that we can really overcome just by saying no to ourselves from time to time. And unfortunately, it's one of these things that mathematically, once you get a little bit behind, can really snowball. But it's also something that it doesn't take that much to catch back up. Just most people don't know how. And um, sorry, I didn't mean to go down this economic route, but it does all stem from the denying yourself. Do something that is going to help you in the long run, even if it means I don't get something I'd want right now. And for the people who really end up benefiting are the ones who have that mentality today. And everyone says, yeah, I'll start training a little bit down the road. I'll start training there. And then when it comes time for the race, they just quit. They don't even try. Um, but if you if you would try today, even if it's just a little bit, you're better off than if you, you didn't at all. Because what's the worst case scenario? I tried something. I got a little bit better, but it really ended up being not what I thought it would. Well, that's still better than where you would have been. And that's what I call for everyone. And Father, I wanted to give one of the other ones I've been using a lot because I think it's something that I know I tell people and most of them will not do it. Um, it, it, it it's it's an action of, of courage. And this is, if there's someone in your life that you wish you had a, a better relationship with, uh, whatever that means to you as an individual, a better relationship, my answer is to call them. Don't text them. Don't use social media. But actually call the person and talk to them. And do that before the sun goes down today. And for most people, I get that they'll never do that. And, and this is actually going to tie into what the what next episode is going to be. Um, but do something that is actually going to, to change it. You know, if you keep sitting there waiting, well, they don't call me, so I'm not going to call them. That's how relationships distance and die. And part of being uh, a a Christian is really to step up and and make actions happen. And it's not really that hard to type in 10 numbers and then press call. So to do that and to just pick someone in your life that you wish you had a better relationship that you don't and try. You know, again, what's the worst case scenario? You get a voicemail or or the person, the the conversation does go away you wanted. At least you tried to reconnect with someone that that you wish you you were connected with. So, Father, I want to give you the last couple of minutes of today's episodes as, you know, we kind of covered a a lot of different things there. Um, Well, thanks for the financial advice. I think that's really important and and you have a lot of experience with that. You see the, the good, the bad and the ugly in that realm working so much in the housing market where 
those finances really make such a critical difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I uh, just want to appreciate that. And then uh, the, the invitation to call somebody is, uh, is also a beautiful invitation. Of course, you know, uh, it, it, relationships are hard and it takes work. And uh, we do, we can insulate ourselves through distance and through technology. And there's a, uh, yeah, there's a real danger in that that we start to dis- get disconnected from uh, from people, and and I think that reinforces some of the uh, the group mentality or the kind of tribalism that is so prominent that I only listen to the people that I want to listen to. And when we when we lived in, you know, as I as I live in a monastery with people that I don't necessarily want to listen to, um, but I have to because I'm going to sit next to them at table and then we're going to have a conversation and. And we work through things that way. When you can just avoid people, you don't necessarily work through things. And uh, that's really dangerous. So sometimes we need some space and, and it's important to acknowledge that. And But we should use the space to strengthen, to forgive, to recover, to process, but then for the sake of re-engagement. Uh, it's only through relationships ultimately that we grow. Um, more, more important than uh, fasting is... Uh, our relationship with God through prayer and our relationship with others, part of the dimension of that is charity. And that's why I wanted to kind of flesh out those, uh, those things, you know, and, and, and the virtues in general are ordered toward relationships that we learn to love as Christ has loved us. So hopefully that's what we're all working toward. And uh, that's certainly my prayer. Perfect. And what a beautiful way to end today's episode. We thank everyone for being out there and listening with us. Um, again, for every person who's joined over the last month or so, um, please feel free to go through the archives. They are um, in order of the release and they are out there for free and available. So we thank everyone for listening. Please help us grow by clicking the five-star review and, and clicking the share button as well. So thank you all. And we'll be with you again next week.